We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 619 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Wednesday, July 26, 2023. It is the day of the first full team practice of 2023 Commander's Training Camp. Commander's season is here. Uh, No, not actual meaningful games. Those will come. Uh, But the season of daily news and happenings and developments, that season is here. Uh, we have made it through the offseason. Uh, I would say that we have made it through the slow time of the year in sports, although that, quote, slow time, end quote, included the uh, oh-so-monumental occurrence of the sale of the team. So the time wasn't that slow. Uh, but yeah, training camp is here. And always know that no podcast or show covers the commanders like this podcast does. It's great to have you with us. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi Podcast. Commander's head coach Rod Rivera, he late Tuesday afternoon at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia, did a press conference that lasted for about 21 minutes. Uh, Coming up over the next two segments, I will take you through every significant thing that Ron said. Every significant thing that our guy Don Ron had to say. Uh, next segment, we'll focus on what Ron had to say regarding the sale of the team, including Ron saying, quote, I've got a lot to prove, end quote. And he was talking about a lot to prove to the commander's new boss, the new lead owner, the man who now is the team's managing partner, Josh Harris. I mean, I, I've got a lot to prove. Yeah, Ron Rivera, late Tuesday afternoon, said what we all know to be the case, but still, it was notable that he said that. Again, quote, I've got a lot to prove, end quote. I mean, I've got a lot to prove. There you have it. Quote, I've got a lot to prove, end quote. Then again, don't we all (laughs) have a lot to prove? Uh, So next segment, a lot from Ron Rivera on the pressure to win this coming season, uh, and the expectations that have been presented to him by Josh Harris, and a lot more regarding the new ownership, including one of my favorite topics, analytics. 
Uh, and then in the following segment, I'm going to talk about what Ron in this press conference had to say about purely football matters, including quarterback Sam Howell, and whether any more roster moves could be coming uh, as the team on Tuesday afternoon announced multiple roster moves, among them the signing of a receiver. I'll tell you about that. Also on the show, I will properly address yet another mess of a rain scenario at Nationals Park and also properly commend the Nats for a nice win. So the start of game two of a three-game series between the Nats and the National League worst Colorado Rockies uh, was delayed for an hour and 25 minutes due to rain uh, that did come but never was that bad. In fact, at no point was the tarp ever actually rolled out. Uh, then we, in the top of the seventh, with one out, had a rain delay that ended up lasting for 51 minutes. However, we also had quite the come-from-behind win by the Nats, uh, a 6-5 win in a game in which the Nats late night on Tuesday night overcame a 5-2 eighth-inning deficit. And I have an Orioles segment for you. Uh, Tuesday evening was not a good evening for the O's, a 4-3 walk-off loss at the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, struggling reliever Yanir Cano in the bottom of the ninth allowed two runs, got just two outs. As O's manager Brandon Hyde very interestingly gave his ace reliever, Felix Batista, a second consecutive rest day. You could tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Rob K on the sale of the commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder. Remember them <laughs> to the Josh Harris group. Uh, Rob wrote me a very lengthy and thoughtful email. So what I'm going to do is read to you some key excerpts from what Rob wrote. Uh, writes Rob. I just finished listening to your scheduled emergency podcast. I love that idea, by the way. And I had some thoughts on the end of the Snyder era and the dawn of the new Harris era. Before I get to that, however, I wanted to let you know how much I enjoy your show and how it is a vital part of my work week morning routine. Uh, thank you for that, Rob. Continues, Rob. Obviously, I am thrilled that Snyder is out. In the last quarter century, I've endured a lot of pain and suffering, none worse than not being able to watch my kids experience the same thrills that I enjoyed as a kid watching the Redskins rule the upper echelon of the NFL from 1982 through 1992. My sons are 21 and 20, so they have only seen oh-so-brief flashes of excellence from this team as it slogged through the Snyder years. In fact, my older son now is a diehard Ravens fan because he had no reason to be a Skins fan outside of family loyalty. What everyone needs to remember as the dust settles is that Snyder leaving is only the very, very beginning of the healing process. The removal of the Danny was the surgery, and now the team, the patient, needs to recover. Like any recovery process, part of the responsibility is on the patient to do what is necessary to take care of him or herself and guard against any relapse. With respect to our beloved Washington franchise, the same rules apply. This team must now start the very real and difficult work of healing itself and its fans. Winning, although very, very important, will not by itself return the team to its position in the hearts of Washingtonians as the unifying element in our diverse D.C. area environment. In my case, I was an enthusiastic and 100% committed fan of this team as much in the 21st century as I was in the 20th century, despite all of the losing and the clown show leadership during the Snyder era. In fact, I had a certain sense of pride as a Skins fan because it showed that I was not a frontrunner and that I was a true fan. No, Al, for me, the beginning of the end was 2020. That was when everything changed. 
That was the moment that my unbridled enthusiasm waned and ultimately devolved into what it is now. I am a fan, but I do not live and die with this team like before. Ironically, what killed my joy was nothing that Dan Snyder did to this team. But this is not about the name change. This is about something much bigger. History. Since 2020, this team has moved further and further from its roots and its history while showing a reckless and callous indifference towards its fans as the team plows under almost 100 years of history. This team not only looks like an expansion team, but acts like one as well. There is no one in that organization outside of Snyder who has had any loyalty to or appreciation of this team's traditions and legacy, both on and off the field. The examples of this are too numerous to mention, but one thing is for sure, what has happened to move this team from one of the crown jewels of the NFL to a de facto expansion team since 2020 may have been set in motion by Dan, but the heavy lifting came from Jason Wright and company. Therefore, a top priority for the Josh Harris group needs to be populating the organization with people who will honor the past while looking to the future. I do not want to live in the past, but I do not want to act as though the past does not exist. If Josh Harris can pull off this magic trick, then the fans will be back and be just as rabid as they used to be. Winning is part of the immediate healing. Having an organization that is rooted in the past while reaching for the future is what will ensure that we do not suffer this pain again. Thank you for the email, Rob. Uh, You know, I have never felt that honoring the past and moving into the future are like two mutually exclusive things. A team can do both. Many teams do both. I despise the New York Yankees, okay? But I do respect the Yankees. And something that the Yankees do exceptionally well is honor and commemorate their past while also doing well in the present and being forward-thinking. This is not an either-or scenario. Uh, I do think that our football team, since 2020, has tried to honor the past. Uh, The problem, of course, has been that the honorings of the past have been so poorly done. And this does speak to what Rob talked about in his email. The organization being filled with people who aren't from the Washington, D.C. area and or don't truly get the franchise and or never had plans on being with the franchise for long. I mean, I know for a fact that Jason Wright, when he became team president in August 2020, thought that most fans of the team were happy that the name Redskins had gone away. That's what he thought. Okay, trust me on that. All right. Regardless of how you feel about the name Redskins, that was a complete misreading of the situation. Jason thinking that most fans of the team were happy that the name Redskins had gone away. Now, I do think that Jason since then (laughs) has come to think otherwise. But, you know, the new president of the team initially thinking that fans were happy about the name change, when in fact the exact opposite was the case. That right there to me is the perfect example of an outsider being given major power, major stroke, and not understanding what he's taking over. Uh, And then there have been the bigwigs hired by Jason Wright who have come and left. Uh, This guy, Greg Resch, Uh, He, in November 2020, was hired as the organization's chief financial officer. Uh, We last September learned that Greg Resch was leaving the team. Uh, Will Misselbrook, he, in May 2021, was hired as the organization's first ever chief creative and digital officer. Uh, We this past January learned that Will Misselbrook was leaving the team. 
Resch and Misselbrook had major roles in the team's business operations, and it turned out that these guys were carpetbaggers. Okay, now maybe not by design. Maybe these guys uh, just couldn't stand working under Dan Snyder. Okay, that is a possibility. But whatever the case, the likes of Greg Resch and Will Misselbrook came, had major say so on things, and left. You know, wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Uh, email from Chris Durham on a recent encounter with one of the best skins offensive linemen of all time, writes Chris, hey Al, I just started working at GameStop a few weeks ago, and look who came into my store, former skins offensive lineman Chris Samuels. He was very nice and bought a PlayStation VR from me. I asked for a picture, and he said no problem. He was super nice. Uh, thank you for the email, Chris. And Chris, in his email, included a good-looking photo of himself with Chris Samuels. Chris with Chris. Uh, you know, Chris Samuels has slimmed down considerably. He looks great. Uh, he has been coaching high school football in Maryland. Uh, and Chris Samuels has become a celebrity in the world of reality TV, or so I am told, okay? Uh, I don't watch that stuff. Really, I don't. Uh, I know this because my wife knows who Chris Samuels is. She watches all of those Real Housewives of whatever shows, and she the other day randomly was telling me about Chris Samuels. Chris and Monique Samuels have been heavily featured on Real Housewives of Potomac, but uh, Chris and Monique are no longer together. Uh, We in June had the news uh, that Monique had filed for divorce from Chris. You see, this podcast covers not just Washington, D.C. area sports, but Washington, D.C. area gossip. Uh, So there you go. Uh, Well, we certainly wish nothing but good things for Chris and Monique. uh, And we wish nothing but good things for you. But if you have been or someone who you care about has been harmed by someone else's negligence, always know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. Uh, If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Uh, If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged, but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. You have nothing to lose. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandace.com. That's paulsonandace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Ace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Ace.
All right. So we on Wednesday have the first full team practice of 2023 Commanders Training Camp. It is on Thursday that we have the first 2023 Commanders Training Camp practice open to the public. Uh, camp taking place at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia. And recently installed at the team facility are brand spanking new bleachers for fans. Now, it's not clear whether these bleachers are a function of the new ownership, the Josh Harris Group, uh, or if the previous ownership, <laughs> Dan and Tanya Snyder, uh, was more responsible for the bleachers. But I tell you, the bleachers look great. Uh, a very nice touch, a very nice gesture for the fans, or as former Redskins executive Eddie Serato used to say, for the fans. For the fans. Yes, that's right, Vinny. For the fans. A very nice gesture for the fans. Uh, for the customers. And you, the customer, deserve a lot <laughs> from this team of what has happened over the last 24 plus years. Well, we late Tuesday afternoon had a press conference for Commanders head coach Ron Rivera in Ashburn. Next segment, we're going to discuss what Ron had to say about strictly football matters. But right now, we're going to get into what Ron had to say about the sale of the team, including this infusion of energy and positivity and momentum for the team. What happened last Thursday and Friday will be remembered for many, many years. Uh, NFL owners last Thursday voted unanimously to approve the sale of the commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris group. And uh, we moments after uh, the NFL announced this did get the release of the Mary Jo White report. Uh, but we then on Friday morning had the closing of the sale. And we then on Friday afternoon had a press conference for the Josh Harris group at FedEx Field, and then had the group interacting with fans at what had been billed as a training camp pep rally at FedEx Field, but morphed into a celebration of the sale, morphed into the commander's version of Coachella, <laughs> all right? Uh, well, let us hear uh, from the coach off Coachella. Uh, this was Ron Rivera late Tuesday afternoon on the elation from fans over the sale of the team. Well, a lot of it, I think, has to do with just, you know, the feeling that that you know that that so many people are behind us. You know, it was it was it was it was different. I mean, you know, when, when you were having to deal with uh, stuff outside of football, now it's about football. Um, it's like what I said. You know, we're going to focus in on what's important to us, and that's playing the game. So, um, I'm, I'm 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 fired up about that. I am. This incredible joy from fans of the team is awesome, okay? This is so good, but of course, things eventually are going to settle down, at least we think. Uh, but here was Rod Rivera late Tuesday afternoon on how to keep the momentum going. I think every day is going to be a different kind of day, a different kind of challenge for our guys. And a thing that I'm hoping and counting on too is that, you know, having the fan base around, uh, hopefully in mass, uh, out here uh, brings a little bit of energy. It does bring a little bit of a spark. Um, I think that'll be something that'll help us. Uh, and then next thing you know, we'll be playing preseason games. And then after the first preseason game, we're going to go down to Baltimore. And that's going to change for a little bit. Obviously, a different scenery, different opponent. We'll practice against them for a couple of days. That'll be some energy. Um, and then after that, we'll come back. We'll play them at home. And then we'll finish up with our last preseason game. So I, 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 I kind of hope that the way things are spaced, we'll continue to bring that energy continue to have that positive flow, um, and we'll continue to see growth. It has been quite the last three and a half years for Ron Rivera as Washington head coach. The Skins officially hired Ron as head coach on New Year's Day 2020. The list of things <laughs> that have happened with the team since New Year's Day 2020 is a mile long. 
Uh, and so we late Tuesday afternoon had this exchange between David Aldridge of The Athletic and Ron Rivera. Ron, you, as somebody who's had to be the face for so long, the last four years, I just wonder if you ever thought about what would it be like if I could just coach the team? <laughs> <laughs> I said every time I came in and had to answer your questions. Um, that weren't football related. What would it be like just talking football? Um, and that's what's exciting about it for me personally. You know, uh, um, you know the last few years I, I honestly felt more like a manager, um, trying to manage things and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and, and try to keep everybody on task and on, on focus in terms of, of the game. Um, but, you know, the last, obviously, you know, the spring I thought was really good. It really was because it really was about putting the football team together, um, knowing that the inevitable in terms of the, 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 the ownership change was happening and so that we would be ready to go when, when it did happen. And so that's really been the focus uh, as of late for us. So, that was interesting. Ron Rivera, quote, the last few years, I honestly felt more like a manager, And quote. Ron has had to manage a lot. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, that does not excuse the lack of success. Uh, that does not excuse him over three seasons as Washington head coach, having yet to have a winning regular season. Uh, but there is a context to his tenure as Washington head coach that is undeniable. But, you know, that said, this coming season is a massive season for Ron Rivera. His job as Washington head coach certainly seems to be on the line, and his job as Washington head coach should be on the line. Uh, A, with the lack of success over his three seasons as Washington head coach, an overall regular season record of just a 22-27-1, and and B, with new ownership. Uh, This was Ron Rivera late Tuesday afternoon on whether he, with new ownership, feels like he has something to prove. Oh, most certainly. I mean, I, I've got a lot to prove, um, you know, because, again, I, I really do think we, we've put ourselves in a really good position. I think we're a good young football team uh, with some key veterans and key positions, and, 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 and now is the opportunity to go. And, and yeah, I, I do feel that I do want to prove some stuff. Yeah, and don't forget this. Denver Broncos head coach Sean Payton this past February 10th in an appearance on Mad Dog Sports Radio on Sirius XM revealed that potential commanders ownership groups had contacted him about possibly becoming the team's head coach. There never were that many potential commanders ownership groups. And so if one of those groups that contacted Sean Payton was the Josh Harris group, Uh, Well, what does that say about how Josh Harris is feeling about Ron Rivera? But, you know, as for Ron feeling this pressure to do well this coming season, uh, we later in the press conference late Tuesday afternoon had this exchange between Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times and Ron Rivera. Just to follow up on having a lot to prove or feeling like you have a lot to prove, how much of that is just Harris related and also kind of the the circumstances where you guys find yourselves as a team not having made the playoffs the last I, year. I think the circumstances. We've been too close, you know, for everything that we've done and every, every and, and and for what we've had and and how we've competed. We've been too close the last couple of years. You know, we, we get into a really good run. It's time now to sustain it and 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 just proving that these are the guys, these are the coaches, that I'm the right guy to help this this organization continue to go forward. Yeah, it is brutal to think about how close the Commanders came to making the playoffs last season. The team finished ninth in the NFC playoff standings. The uh, top seven teams in the NFC made the postseason. Uh, the Commanders finished ninth, and of course, the death blow was that hideous 24-10 loss 
to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field on New Year's Day. The less said about that game, the better. Here was another exchange at the press conference late Tuesday afternoon on this notion of Ron Rivera wanting to prove himself. This exchange was between Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post and Ron. When you mentioned wanting to prove some stuff, is that just winning or are there more components to it than that? There's more components to it. There really is. And and, and for me, it's it's about what we do and how we do it as, as, as football coaches, more so than anything else. So that that's what I'm really interested in is just, you know, showing what we are capable of as, as, as an organization, as a football team. Um, and, and that's kind of where my focus will be is, you know, trying to put the best product, the best team out on the football field. You know, defining what the commanders need to do this coming season in order for Ron to stay on as head coach is tricky. I would say that at minimum, the team needs to have a winning regular season record and make the playoffs. But, you know, even that may not be enough. And here's the bottom line. If Josh Harris doesn't view Ron Rivera as a good fit for the football operations that Josh wants to have, then it may not matter what Ron does this coming season. I mean, we have seen NFL head coaches get fired after all kinds of seasons. Uh, Former Skins head coach Marty Schottenheimer, he in February 2007 got fired as San Diego Chargers head coach after going 14-2 and in the 2006 regular season. Uh, Marty got fired by then Chargers general manager A.J. Smith, who despised Marty, uh, and A.J. Smith is Many of you listening know is the father of former Washington Vice President of Player Personnel Kyle Smith, who ended up not getting along with Ron Rivera. Uh, Incidentally, Marty uh, was Washington's last head coach with a primarily defensive background prior to Ron. So all sorts of eerie parallels here. But uh, here was Ron late Tuesday afternoon on whether he has received from Josh Harris expectations for this coming season. I did, and 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 what I'm really appreciative is really how forward he was about it, about winning, about developing, about growing, about culture. Um, I get that. I, I've been around this game. I like to believe long enough to know that I, you know, I understand what he's saying, and and it's been a real good conversation he and I have had about that. So, um, I and I'm looking forward to more conversations with him. Um, you know, he'll be here tomorrow. Uh, it'll be a great opportunity for us. You know, he'll be at practice. After practice, we'll spend some time together. Um, he and I talking um, and just continuing to work on things. Well, now that the sale of the commanders is complete, can slash will the team get contract extensions done with key players who are entering contract seasons? Uh, guys like edge defender Montez Sweat and safety Cameron Curl. Uh, here was Ron Rivera late Tuesday afternoon on if he has received the green light to pursue things uh, that he prior to the finalizing of the sale could not pursue. Right. Well, the biggest thing is, you know, we've had an opportunity to, to, to meet, you know, myself with, with Mr. Harris and more so anything else. We really discussed philosophy, uh, mine and, 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 and what his and the, um, and the ownership group was going to be about supporting us and being there for us, um, trying to give us the tools that we need to, to, to go out and play, uh, good football and win, winning football. Um, that was probably the, the thing that I really appreciated was, was having that conversation and just hearing, you know, their commitment to, to, to trying to do the best they can to, to bring back to this area, you know, a, a sense of pride uh, in this organization. And, and that was probably one of the really good things that I really appreciated in our first conversation. Um, and then, you know, we plan to have more conversations. We talk about the more uh, intricate things of, of, of our job. And that would be, you know, the, as you mentioned, you know, some of the extensions, some of the titles um, about players, the future, all that kind of stuff. 
is still conversations that we are, we still need to have. I mean, there's still a lot of work to do, um, but obviously the, the the thing that was stressed to me from from Mr. Harris and and some of his other partners was this is about you know job one and that's putting together a winning football team. Yeah, a reveal from Ron Rivera at this press conference late Tuesday afternoon uh, was that he really hasn't spoken with Josh Harris uh, all that much, uh, and that the bulk of their time together has been spent talking about philosophies and general items as opposed to specifics. Uh, We know that Josh Harris is big on analytics. Uh, He certainly has demonstrated this and what he has done as managing partner of the Philadelphia 76ers and managing partner of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, You know where I stand (laughs) on analytics. Uh, I am a big fan. Uh, I have talked about and talked up analytics for more than a decade, not to pat myself on the back, but you know, I was the first person in the Washington DC market to regularly talk about things like ESPN's total QBR and football outsiders DBOA metric and have on as guest people from football outsiders and pro football focus. And I say this not so that, you know, you give me a trophy. Okay. I say this just because like, I do really believe in analytics and I do really believe that if you are not in on this stuff, you get left behind big time. Analytics are a big deal. Analytics are here to stay. Uh, The word analytics means different things to different people. Uh, Ron Rivera, late Tuesday afternoon, on if he's now more on board with analytics, given that Josh Harris now is the commander's managing partner. Well, we've always used analytics. Since I got here, we've been using analytics. I used it when I was in Carolina. Um, Obviously, it's grown even more uh, in the last few years. You know, when we signed Jonathan Allen to an extension, we used analytics. When we did Terry's, it was analytics. Deron Payne's was analytics. Uh, we used it when we drafted uh, Emmanuel. Um, so, and then we look at it and we use it um, when we game plan. I mean, it, analytics is, is nothing new. It's, it, people have been using it for a long time. It's just really been pushed to the forefront because a lot more people talk about it. Um, but we've done it. We've used it. Um, my conversations with Mr. Harrison, knowing that they use it, they've used it with the Devils, as you mentioned, and the 76ers to help them in their decision-making process. It's it's one of the elements that you use. You know, you have your scouting department, you got your coaching, and you got your analytics, and you take all three and you combine them, and that helps you come to what you believe are the best decisions. Um, and so we do that. And in listening and talking with Mr. Harris, you know, there's an opportunity for us to continue to grow that department um, and get those tools really even more so available for us uh, going forward. Yeah, I don't doubt that Ron Rivera is open to analytics, but there's a difference between being open to analytics and being at the forefront of the analytics movement, being at a point in the information and data and sports science wars to where your team has significant competitive advantages over other teams. That's what I want with the commanders. It's not enough that the head coach is willing uh, to look at a few one sheets from Pro Football Focus, okay? No, what you want is an organizational alignment by which the team is among the leaders, if not the leader in the NFL in analytics. And I really hope that Josh Harris makes it a mission to get the commanders to that level uh, with or without Ron Rivera. 
Well, just like Josh Harris is going to change the commanders for the better, Turf Center Lawns can change your lawn for the better. Uh, Turf Center Lawns offers a variety of residential and commercial landscaping services. It is a local, multi-generational family business serving Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C., Turf Center Lawns offers lawn care programs that will make and keep your lawn lush and green. Uh, Turf Center Lawns is outstanding at handling water problems. Uh, Intense summer storms can cause water and drainage problems for your home or business. Turf Center Lawns offers affordable and effective grading-based drainage solutions to prevent flooding, erosion, wet basements, and wet crawl spaces. Uh, Also, if you are a coach, an athletic director, a booster, uh, know that Turf Center Lawns can create, improve, and or maintain athletic fields. Uh, Turf Center Lawns will give you and your team a professional, natural grass athletic field. Uh, And Turf Center Lawns performs maintenance with a specializing in Bermuda grass fields. Turf Center Lawns installed the original Bermuda grass fields at a number of major venues, including... The Commander's FedEx Field, uh, when it opened as Jack Ken Cook Stadium in 1997, Prince George's County Stadium, home of the Orioles AA affiliate, the Bowie Bay Sox, and Arthur W. Purdue Stadium, home of the Orioles Low A affiliate, the Delmarva Shorebirds. Uh, Turf Center Lawns also installs and rebuilds baseball and softball infields, batting cages, home putting greens, even bocce courts. Uh, if you have landscaping needs, drainage issues, or athletic field needs, contact Turf Center Lawns. Uh, consultations and estimates are free. You have nothing to lose. Call 301-384-9300 or visit TurfCenterLawns.com. That's 301-384-9300 or TurfCenterLawns.com. And make sure that you tell Turf Center Lawns that Al Galdi sent you. The Turf Center Lawns team is comprised of experts in their field. Uh, They share a deep commitment to exceeding customer expectations on every job, Uh, whether large or small. When you hire Turf Center Lawns, your satisfaction is guaranteed. So call 301-384-9300 or visit TurfCenterLawns.com. That's 301-384-9300 or TurfCenterLawns.com. And make sure that you tell Turf Center Lawns that Al Galdi sent you. Well, more now from the press conference of Commander's Head Coach Rod Rivera late Tuesday afternoon with the team's first full team practice of 2023 training camp happening on Wednesday. The Commanders on Tuesday afternoon did announce multiple roster moves, including the signings of two unrestricted free agents, uh, kicker Michael Badgley and receiver Byron Pringle. Uh, We talked about Badgley on Tuesday's show, episode 618. He will be providing competition uh, for kicker Joey Sly. As for Byron Pringle, uh, this coming season would be his age 30 season. He is a player who has played for, yes, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the commanders with Eric Bieniemy as their assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, are becoming the command chiefs uh, of having been the commanders with all of the former Carolina Panthers. Uh, Byron Pringle came into the NFL with the Chiefs in the 2018 offseason as an undrafted free agent at a Kansas State. He spent his 2018 rookie NFL season on the reserve injured list, but he for the Chiefs over the next three regular seasons, 2019 through 2021 
one totaled 67 receptions, including seven touchdown receptions. Pringle in the 2021 regular season played in all 17 of the Chiefs games and had 42 receptions for 568 yards and five touchdowns on 60 targets. He, in March 2022, signed with the Chicago Bears as an unrestricted free agent. He, in the 2022 regular season, played in 11 of the Bears' 17 games, had 10 receptions, including two touchdown receptions. You take a step back, Byron Pringle in his NFL career has totaled 77 regular season receptions, nine of which have been for touchdowns. Uh, That's a pretty nice percentage. Uh, Also announced by the commanders on Tuesday afternoon was them placing tight end Armani Rogers on the reserve slash injured list. Uh, Unfortunate, but uh, certainly not surprising news. Rogers suffered a non-contact Achilles injury on May 23rd, which was the team's first day of OTA practices for the 2023 offseason. And the commanders on Tuesday afternoon announced that they had released quarterback Tim DeMorad, an undrafted rookie, at a Fordham. Uh, this was Ron Rivera late Tuesday afternoon on if more moves for the roster could be coming. I think we feel very comfortable going in. I, I really do. I, I, I think we all have liked what we've done. Um, you know, there are some positions that guys have to grow and mature in, uh, most notably the quarterback position. You know, with, with how Sam has worked and, and how Jacoby has worked, I think we're, we feel very comfortable with those guys. Uh, we like who they are. We like their development and growth. Um, we'll be watching that one obviously very closely, and um, I, I, I uh, you know, just as as positions mature, you know, a couple of young offensive linemen that got to mature, that got opportunities. You know, both Sam ha- has a big Cosme has a big opportunity to really solidify himself at guard for us. Uh, Sadiq Charles has a chance to really truly solidify himself at guard. So those will be a couple positions that we watch. You know, um, the continued growth and development of our young secondary. Um, you know, we, we, we've got one senior guy out there with Kendall, but those young guys, you know, we, we need those guys to continue to grow and come through it. I mean, this is a good young football team, which I think is positioned in a good, in a good spot. And we, of course, heard Ron Rivera early in that answer mention the man being positioned to be the team's QB1 for this coming season, Sam Howell. Uh, Ron also highlighted the guard spots on the offensive line, Samuel Cosme at right guard and Sadiq Charles versus Chris Paul at left guard. But with Sam Howell, you certainly could argue that uh, he is the number one storyline for the commanders this coming season. And Ron Rivera late Tuesday afternoon, when asked for the biggest question for the team, I was not shy about highlighting the quarterback question. Well, I think more so than anything else is 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 it's going to obviously start with the quarterback position. I mean, that's about as big a question, broad a question as it gets. Is you know uh, has Sam grown and developed enough to to, to help us take the next step? Uh, is Jacoby ready to go and compete? And, and if he gets that chance, will he take us up to the next level? So again, it is a big, broad question, but it does start with that position, and that that really probably is the biggest thing. Yes, it is. Uh, we at Commander's Training Camp technically may have a quarterback competition between Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, but what seems pretty clear is that Sam will be the team starting quarterback in week one, barring injury or him just like completely unraveling during training camp and the preseason. This was made clear by Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC4 in his appearance on this podcast on Monday's show episode 617. Uh, We at the press conference late Tuesday afternoon had this exchange between another recent guest on this podcast, Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post and Ron Rivera. 
What specifically do you need to see from Sam Howell during training camp to really feel comfortable with him going forward? I think more than anything else is consistent play and and growth. Um, one of the things that I really appreciated, and, and I go back to the Dallas game, was how we played, how we self-corrected, uh, how we how we handled things, how we changed things on his own, some of his own decision making. Those are things you want to see that tells you he's growing, he's getting it. And so when you watch him in practice, you watch him closely. How is he handling those types of deals? Um, there's a lot of things that we you know we will focus on, we will pay attention to, um, you know, in working with Eric and, and Tavita. Um, and 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 I think that you know um, and Kenny Zampisi, you know we've got guys we've got eyes on him, and we're really going through and and kind of nitpicking almost just making sure he's doing those things. This is such a big opportunity for Sam Hell, a fifth round pick in the 2022 NFL Draft with one regular season start in his NFL career being positioned to be his team starting quarterback. I'm excited. I hope that he kills it. Of course, a big part of all of this is Eric Bieniemy. Uh, he is here to make it so that our team has a good offense for the first time in six seasons. Uh, Washington, for each of the last five seasons, 2018 through 2022, has had a bad offense. Uh, and during that same span, Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator for Chiefs offenses that were outstanding. Uh, Ron Rivera, late Tuesday afternoon, on what the team has in Eric Bieniemy. Well, first of all, he's, um, he's a gregarious, big personality. Um, he's very loud, uh, which is kind of cool because it, it saves me uh, on my voice a little bit. Um, and he's demanding. Um, he's got a good grasp, a good feel for what he does and what he believes in. And um, he's got a very direct way about him. Um, you know, he's got some credibility, instant credibility, for a couple of reasons. One is first and foremost is what he's accomplished in the last five seasons, you know, going to five straight AFC championship games, going to three, three Super Bowls, winning two of them. Um, so that gives him credibility. Second, second bit is he played. Uh, a lot like Jack did, like Coach Del Rio did, um, being around championship teams, being on championship teams, that adds credibility. Doesn't mean he's better than anybody, but he has that credibility. He has that that point of view, and, and players respect that as well. So uh, I think that's going to be very helpful. You know, the fact that you know my offensive, defensive coordinators are guys that have those kind of that kind of pedigree. Well, as Ron Rivera mentioned in that cut that I just played for you, Eric Bieniemy is a former NFL running back. Uh, how about what be happening with NFL running backs right now? Uh, Ron Rivera late Tuesday afternoon was asked to weigh in on the great running back debate. It was last week, especially on social media, that the great running back debate erupted. Uh, the idea being that NFL running backs are woefully underpaid and treated so unfairly, and we should all feel so sorry for NFL running backs. And we had NFL running backs voicing their displeasure and threatening to take all kinds of measures. I was so scared. <laughs> and we had people in the media proposing alternate ways in which running backs should be paid. In other words, the contract rules for running backs should be different than the contract rules for all other NFL players. This whole thing was so ridiculous, okay? This whole thing was so absurd. Anyway, uh, Ron Rivera, on late Tuesday afternoon, got asked about this uh, great running back debate. Here was his answer. Well, it, it, to me, it, it, you know, it's still an important part of the, of the game. I mean, you, know, you need 11 players out on the field and each guy doing their job. Um, and if, it, you know, and it, it's interesting because 
what has happened is I think is that this is this has become a, a multi bag league. You've got to have two, three guys that have an ability to share the load. And it, it really has changed the, the, the value where you don't have that one primary back. You have a few backs that do everything well together and work together. And, and in this style of offense, from what I've seen, you know, you share the load. And that's what we want to continue. We want to be able to share the load with our playmakers. Um, and we think we've got a good combination of running backs now. You know, in listening to that cut, I couldn't help but think about the press conference that truly started the Commander's 2023 offseason. You know, this presser late Tuesday afternoon in a lot of ways ended the Commander's 2023 offseason. How about the presser that essentially started the Commander's 2023 offseason? The joint season-ending press conference of Ron Rivera and General Manager Martin Mayhew all the way back on January 10th. Uh, What ended up being a uh, love sonnet to running game-oriented offense. And uh, that presser drove me, and I know so many of you, crazy. Uh, but, you know, in thinking about everything that has happened here over these last six and a half months, I wonder, our new commander's managing partner, Josh Harris, forward-thinking, analytically-inclined Josh Harris, what do you think that he thought about that ode to running game-oriented offense that Ron and Martin gave us back on January 10th. Something to ponder. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, we on Tuesday night had yet another botched rain situation at Nationals Park. Why does the botched rain situation seem to be a thing at Nationals Park more than at any other ballpark? Uh, The start of Game 2 of a three-game series between the Nats and the Colorado Rockies was delayed for an hour and 25 minutes due to rain that did come, but never was that bad. In fact, at no point was the tarp ever actually rolled out. Uh, And then... We, in the top of the seventh, with one out, had a rain delay that ended up lasting for 51 minutes. Had the game just started on time at 7.05 p.m., uh, the game almost certainly would have been over by the time that that rain delay in the top of the seventh happened. Uh, Understand this, with the rain in MLB, it is up to the home team whether to start a game. It is up to the crew chief for the umpiring crew whether to halt the game. 
and it is up to MLB whether to resume a game. So the game on Tuesday night, not starting on time, was on the Nats, and uh, yeah, they made the wrong call. But as for the game itself, well, this did end up being an impressive comeback win by the Nats. A 6-5 win in a game in which the Nats overcame a 5-2 eighth inning deficit. The game ended minutes before midnight, uh, about 12 hours before the 12.05 p.m. start time for game three of this series. I'm proud of the boys. Yeah, Nats manager Davey Martinez, the boys uh, Tuesday night were up rather late. Uh, The Nats for this regular season now are 42-59, and two games ahead of the Rockies who have the worst record in the National League. This series is a battle of the uh, two worst teams in the National League. So the comeback by the Nats, uh, they scored five runs over the seventh and eighth innings, a one-run seventh and a four-run eighth. Stone Garrett in that Nats one-run seventh had a one-out solo homer to left field off former Nats reliever Brad Hand to cut the Nats deficit to 4-2. Garrett as the Nats starting left fielder and number six batter went two for three with a solo homer, a single, and a walk. And then that four-run eighth, Jamer Candelario in the four-run eighth had an RBI double to the right center field gap to cut the Nats deficit to 5-3. He is an Nats starting third baseman and number three batter, went one for four with an RBI double. And then came the biggest blow. Joey Manessis in the Nats four-run eighth, a go-ahead three-run homer to left field for a 6-5 Nats lead. Manessis, as the Nats starting first baseman and number four batter, went three for four with a three-run homer, a double on which he barely missed a homer, and a single. Uh, and yes, I did say that Joey Manessis was an at starting first baseman. Davey Martinez for this game on Tuesday night uh, did his recent thing of having both of the Nats catchers in the lineup. Uh, K-Bert Ruiz was the Nats starting DH and number five batter. He did go 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. But Riley Adams as the Nats starting catcher and number eight batter went 2 for 4 with an RBI double and a single. Adams in the Nats one run second had a two out RBI double to deep left field to cut the Nats deficit to 2-1. And Adams in the bottom of the fifth had a one out single on a 1-2 pitch through the left side of the infield. Uh, I like when Davey does this, has both Kbert Ruiz and Riley Adams in the lineup. Adams needs to play more. The guy needs more plate appearances. Uh, He, for this regular season, still doesn't have even 100 plate appearances. He has 95 plate appearances, but he also has an OPS of 903. Uh, The Nats starting pitcher in this uh, 6-5 rain-delayed win over the Rockies on Tuesday night was Trevor Williams. He was not good, although he did end up eating up six innings, so that was good. Uh, But Williams allowed four runs in six innings. He gave up nine hits, a home run, a double, and seven singles. He had three strikeouts versus no walks. He threw 93 pitches, 58 strikes versus 35 balls. Williams in the top of the second allowed two runs. He gave up four consecutive two-out hits. Among them was a two-out full count RBI double by Michael Tolia to the right field corner for a one-nothing Rockies lead to conclude a 10-pitch plate appearance in which Tolia was down at 1.12. Uh, and Williams in the top of the third allowed two runs. He gave up a leadoff first pitch home run by Ezekiel Tobar off the left field foul pole for a 3-1 Rockies lead. And the Nats' bullpen on Tuesday night ended up being all right, uh, despite giving up six hits. Uh, but three Nats relievers combined to allow one run in three innings with four strikeouts. And yes, six hits. Uh, Amos Willingham faced three batters, got just one out. Jose A. Ferrer allowed a run in one and two-thirds innings. And Kyle Finnegan tossed a scoreless top of the ninth. 
a wild night for the Nats on Tuesday night, a late night for the Nats on Tuesday night, and game three for them against the Rockies is on Wednesday afternoon at 12.05. Jake Irvin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, what had we been talking about on the previous two installments of this podcast regarding the Orioles, how they lately had been winning despite blowing significant leads? Uh, The O's on Tuesday evening once again blew a significant lead, actually blew multiple significant leads, and this time the O's did not win. It's hard to keep winning when you keep blowing significant leads. Uh, Tuesday evening, a 4-3 walk-off loss at the Philadelphia Phillies in Game 2 of a three-game series. The O's in this game blew a 2-1 sixth-inning lead and a 3-2 ninth-inning lead. And the Tampa Bay Rays on Tuesday night won a 4-1 win over the Miami Marlins. So the O's in this regular season now are 62-39, and one and a half games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. The O's on Tuesday evening at the Phillies entered the bottom of the ninth with a 3-2 lead, and O's manager Brandon Hyde for that bottom of the ninth went with his number two reliever, Yanir Cano, and not number one reliever, Felix Batista. Hyde decided to give Batista a second consecutive rest day, even though the O's have an off day on Thursday. Uh, This is impossible to ignore, and you have to wonder if Felix Batista is hurting and Brandon Hyde just isn't saying. Because otherwise, Batista not pitching on Tuesday evening was odd. I mean, again, he had an off day on Monday. The O's have an off day as a team on Thursday. And yet Batista in this tight game at the Phillies was not used in that bottom of the ninth on Tuesday evening. Uh, and Hyde, during his postgame session with reporters on Tuesday night, did not have much to say about not pitching Batista. I thought that that was telling. Uh, Here was the extent of the conversation, this exchange with O's insider Rich Dubroff of BaltimoreBaseball.com. You made the decision that Felix was was not going to pitch tonight. Before the game, yeah, we decided that uh, Batista was going to be down tonight. And that was it from Brandon Hyde on Felix Batista. Yanir Cano lately has been struggling. We've talked about this. And he on Tuesday evening blew the game. Uh, Cano in the bottom of the ninth allowed two runs and got just two outs, although he wasn't helped out by his defense. But Cano gave up a one-out opposite field single by former national Bryce Harper to left field. Cano gave up a game-tying two-out first-pitch RBI double by Bryson Stott to right field to tie the game at three. And also on the play was second baseman Adam Frazier butchering the catch of the throw from right fielder Colton Kowser. Uh, Cano then gave up a two-out first pitch infield single by JT Realmuto on a grounder to shortstop Jorge Mateo, who double-clutched on his throw to first base. And Cano then gave up a walk-off two-out RBI single by Alec Bohm through the left side of the infield for a 4-3 Orioles loss. Uh, do you remember how dominant Yanir Cano was? The O's on April 14th recalled Cano from AAA Norfolk. He tied the Orioles' record for most consecutive batters retired by a pitcher to begin a regular season, 24. Uh, That was set by reliever Fred Holdsworth in 1976. Yanir Cano earlier this season tied that record. He was one of four Orioles on the 2023 
American League All-Star team, but he really has fallen off. Uh, Yanir Cano for this month of July has an ERA of 450 and a whip of 140. And there was more bad news for the O's on Tuesday. Tuesday was not a good day for the O's. Uh, The man who, to me, is the Orioles' best position player right now, Gunnar Henderson, he left this game on Tuesday evening due to injury. Uh, Henderson, as the Orioles' starting shortstop and number one batter, went 0 for 4 and left the game with lower back discomfort. And the O's earlier in the day put another center fielder on the 10-day injured list. Uh, The O's on Tuesday afternoon play center fielder Aaron Hicks on the 10-day injured list with a left hamstring strain. Uh, It was last Wednesday morning, July 19th, that the O's put center fielder Cedric Mullins back on the 10-day injured list, retroactive to July 16th due to a right adductor groin strain. Mullins was on the 10-day IL from May 30th to June 24th due to a right groin strain. So the Orioles outfield depth is being tested. Uh, Now, there were bright spots for the O's uh, in this 4-3 walk-off loss at the Phillies on Tuesday evening. The former Philly, Kyle Gibson, was good. Uh, He allowed two runs in six innings with five strikeouts versus no walks. He gave up just four hits, a solo homer, a double, and two singles. He threw 92 pitches, 56 strikes versus 36 balls. Uh, Also, the Orioles' uh, two Ryans came through, uh, talking about Ryan O'Hearn and Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, Ryan O'Hearn was added again, another home run. He is the Orioles' starting first baseman and number four batter, went one for four with a solo homer, uh, O'Hearn, and an Orioles one-run eighth, a tie-breaking leadoff homer to right center field on an 0-2 pitch for a 3-2 Orioles lead. I tell you, what Ryan O'Hearn is doing is nuts. The O's this past January 3rd acquired O'Hearn via trade with the Kansas City Royals for cash considerations. Uh, This season is his age 29 season, and yet he, in this regular season at the Major League level, over 184 plate appearances, has an OPS of 889. And Ryan Mountcastle, he on Tuesday evening as the Orioles starting DH and number five batter, got on base four times. He went two for two with two singles and two walks. Uh, And the other Orioles reliever who pitched in this game on Tuesday evening did do well, uh, really well. Shintaro Fujinami, two perfect innings with three strikeouts. Uh, Great to see this from Fujinami, given what happened with him in each of his first two appearances for the O's. So the O's last Wednesday evening, July 19th, acquired Fujinami via trade with the Oakland A's. He this past weekend, over his first two appearances for the O's, allowed a combined three runs in one and two-thirds innings. He did not look good, uh, but he was good on Tuesday evening. But Yanir Cano was not good, uh, and the result was a tough loss for the O's. Game three for the O's at the Phillies Wednesday evening at 6.05. Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 614. We'll provide you with more on the commanders as we on Wednesday have their first practice of 2023 training camp. Also, we'll talk Nationals and Orioles. The Nats on Wednesday afternoon at 12.05 of game three of the three game series against the Colorado Rockies at Nationals Park. The O's on Wednesday evening at 6.05 of game three of a three game series at the Philadelphia. Phillies. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. I mean, I've got a lot to prove.